Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with Jason Clark, a GMPCC shooter. Uh, Jason, how does it feel to be crushing souls lately? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's funny you say that actually yesterday because I just had a club match where I was experimenting with some new stuff, a new load and playing around with things. And it was actually a, a dumpster fire. So uh, it's not always crushing people. I shot the worst match yesterday that I've shot in probably two years. So. And that was the one that Tom beat you? Tom beat me. I saw something where no. you posted. No, just different. Oh, no, 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 no. The thing I posted just the other day. No, 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 no. With all the, the like USPSA Insights cheating scandal yeah. stuff going on, um, that was a random match in 2020 where Tom Castro just happened to be up in Tennessee working, and we, we all shot a match at Orsa leading up to PCC Nationals because everything had been shut down because of COVID, and like we were all just dying for matches. And uh, so a couple dudes from Atlanta drove up and Tom Castro with his, was there and uh, Tony Martin was there. So we had four GMs and like we shot 1901 hijinks and like everybody shot like 130% on it. So wow. it was just funny because of, because of all the like cheating stuff going on. Yeah. It was funny to see such a smashing of the, of a, of a classifier, but yeah, Tom, Tom did edge me out on that one. <laughs> I thought that was recent. Okay, cool. So I, I'm, I'm misinformed. No, no, no. That was like, it was a flashback because I shot 1901 yesterday at the match and uh, I was talking about it with Brett Nettleton, another PCC GM here in Atlanta, who was part of the, the Orsa match. And we were talking about it. And we just thought it was funny that, uh, you know, that, of course, when they find the high hit factors, it comes from nationals the year prior. Right. And like nobody shoots it like a classifier there. They shoot it like a match. So they shoot it conservatively. And, um, you know, they're going for the points and not risking it because nobody's trying to, you know, make GM on it at, at nationals. Right. They just they shoot it like a stage. So. Uh, the hit factors were pretty low on that. And honestly, still, still pretty is uh, pretty, pretty low. So uh, it's a good one to rank up on if you're so inclined. <laughs> nice. Now, have you ever shot pistol like prior to PCC? I know you shoot and dabble in them now, but like was PCC your entry? No, not well. So my, I, I, my path is very different from a lot of people that are in the shooting sports, right? Cause I, I never even fired a handgun for the first time until 2010. Really? Right. So I'm, uh, I was born and raised in Knoxville, right? Where I think you know that place pretty well now. Yeah. I don't live there. Um, but I lived in the city, right? So like I couldn't go out in my backyard and shoot guns, right? I lived in the city limits. So I, you know, I wasn't really raised around guns. You know, I'm sure I had an uncle that let me shoot a rifle or something when I was a kid. I don't really remember it, but I just had a work buddy that, uh, you know, took me to the range, shot a handgun for the first time. Um, and it was fun. I was hooked, right? I was, I was, uh, you know, like the, I kind of became an adult at that point, you know, I was, I was, you know, in my thirties, I was like, you know, it just clicked with me, the whole self-defense second amendment, you know, take care of yourself kind of thing just clicked with inside of me. And, uh, that was it. So I just kind of did what a lot of people do. I shot on a square range and just bullseye targets, you know, with what looked like a shotgun pattern, you know, we thought we were doing okay, but it was, you know, at 10 yards. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so I just did that for like four or five years. And then uh, the competitive spirit inside of me, we, we just, uh, me and the, the same dude that got me into shooting handguns and another coworker, we went and shot a GADPA match, which was like a local offset of IDPA. Hmm. 
So yeah, my first competitive match was actually with handguns and I shot Gadpa for I think two, two or three years. But the problem is right. Like they uh, so Gadpa just rolled back inside of USPSA. So they they there was big controversy that happened before my time there, but they separated from USPSA and then or sorry from from IDPA and they changed the rule set a little bit and actually made it a lot more fun than IDPA, where they had like half second down penalties, so you could go a little faster without the huge risk of penalties. So it was pretty fun. And uh oddly enough, my very first match that I shot with was uh with Jack Wines, who's another local PCC GM here in Atlanta. And uh, so I've always been exposed to go fast people. He wasn't shooting PCC at the time. He was shooting, uh, I think a CZ uh, tackle or tax board or something like that at the time. Yeah. But uh, that, that was my foray into competitive shooting. And I did that for two or three years. And as I started to progress, the problem with that sport was it was just basically Georgia focus, right? So I could only compare my myself to other local people. And that's uh really what kind of led me into USPSA originally it was just like like actually my first USPSA match uh was carry optics 10 rounds oh what which was super lame I shot it one time uh I I didn't even own enough mag pouches to compete right because you know you talk about production being so low cost of entry yeah they were all the way around my my belt right I like I had to pull out like kydex IWB mag carriers that I used defensively just to have enough for it so um, I like the USPSA format, but 10 round carry optics was just atrocious. Uh, so I kind of took a hiatus and still shot a little Gadpa. Uh, there were some like indoor carving matches that, that sports sprouted up here in the Atlanta area. So I kind of got into those. And then um, most of the Atlanta clubs didn't really accept PCC in the inaugural year. What was that? 2017, I think is when PCC was the provisional division or whatever. Yeah. None of the Atlanta clubs did it. So um I didn't jump straight into USPSA. Um, but in 2017 is when I kind of really got going towards the end of the year. I actually shot an indoor carving match with Derek Giddings. Do you know Derek? I love Derek. Of course I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just making sure. Of course. Um, we shoot three gun together. We go way yeah. <laughs> Cool, cool. So he was actually the guy that talked me into getting into like USPSA majors. He's like, you, you know, you'd be good at this. You should you should go get classified and come shoot the Georgia State match. So I shot the Georgia State match in 2017 was my very first major. And it was everything you would think it would be. I was awful. That was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I want videos. <laughs> I don't uh I'd have to look. I don't I don't know. There's maybe videos, there's maybe photos. I, I don't, honestly I don't even remember. They all kind of blur together. But uh <laughs> um learning experiences for sure right like didn't know the rule set like you know you get quite you know I think I had a a popper calibration thing on my first like one of my first couple stages where I center punched it it didn't fall down but like I didn't know the rules so I didn't know you could call for calibration and nobody on my squad told me until like after it's like thanks guys so yeah it was it was a train wreck oh wow now why did you pick up a handgun I'm curious in 2010 what what changed for you uh I just I, it just sounded like a fun thing. Like my buddy was into guns and he carried defensively. And, uh, I was like, you know, he just invited me to the range casually on a Saturday. And, uh, I was like, yeah, I'll go check it out. No, no, no big deal. And yeah, I mean, I had a handgun like the very next week after going out to do that. <laughs> did you so, buy a Glock? I did buy a Glock. I live in Atlanta. <laughs> Come on. You got to buy a Glock. Now, 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 oddly enough, his gun was not a Glock. It was like, uh, uh, Springfield, what, what's the uh, XD, Springfield yeah. Armory XD, but it yeah. was like the subcompact and it was yeah. awful. It was the worst gun I ever shot. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's everything that like 
everything wrong that you tell new shooters, right? It's like, oh, get a small gun because you can conceal it and all this other mess, but it's like the hardest gun to shoot, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So my, so my first gun was a Glock 19, which okay. I, I, st- I still have today. Yeah, I think that's a good gun to start out with. I was 17. My dad gave me that one. And, and like three or four more of them because, you know. You win, you win. They're like potato chips. You can't just have one Glock 19. No. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Um, so like the the competitiveness, um, like why why did you fall in love with PCC? I'm kind of curious. Like what was that? Well, I'll go further back on the, the competitive thing, right? So prior to getting into guns, like in my 20s uh, and – then again, in my, my thirties, I actually used to play competitive paintball, like professional, semi-professional paintball. So I traveled the country, uh, doing that for most of my twenties. Okay. So like the running and gunning aspect with a, with like a long gun, even though, a, you know, a PCC and a paintball gun with an air tank on, it's a little bit different. There's a lot of similarities there, right? So like running and shooting first nature to me, because I, I did it for a decade before I got into, into the PCC thing. So that's kind of cool. And that, you had people shooting back at you, so that's like a little bit different. You did, yeah. I mean, it was a lot of target-focused shooting, which is exactly what you want, right? So, like, you're not staring at sights on those things. So, yeah, um, there are a lot of parallels that really just helped me get into it. But, I mean, I like shooting handguns, and, and obviously I carry a handgun every day, so I still want to be proficient with it, which is why I dabble uh, in carry optics and open and other, <laughs> you know, d- divisions from time to time. But um, PCC is definitely my first love. It's just, I mean, it's a go-fast drag race with minor scoring. Yeah. Like open, you can go out there and like, oh, if you get, get a couple deltas, no big deal. If you shoot, you know, 32 round course of fire and you have like 12 Charlies, yeah, as long as you went fast, no big deal. You can't do that with PCC. You're going to get wrecked. You got You got to go like almost open speed, but also have a level of accuracy because everybody else is going to. Yeah. Were you just a natural shot or, I mean, where did all that come from? Uh, not with a handgun. Uh, like obviously, I mean, handgun takes a lot of work, right? And it's a it's a perishable skill. If you don't touch it for a while, you definitely lose it. Um, you know, especially with the draw and like cadence and and sight pictures, like not a big deal. Like that comes back pretty quick. But like just the actual mechanics of getting the gun out of the holster and presented properly each time, like that goes away really fast. Uh, and PCC, it doesn't, right? Which is uh, a very helpful thing for me with my. You know, I got an extraordinarily busy work life. I got kids. Uh, so the time to shoot and practice is few and far between. So the ability to put something down for, for two weeks and then pick it back up. And it's like, I'd never put it down is yeah. ideal. So that's a huge thing for the PCC with me right now. Mm. Now, and you've been dabbling. So have you shot, what is it? The Canik, the Walther, the Glock with the dots? What all have you done now? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Glock person, right? Cause it was my first, first gun Metro Atlanta company. So like if I break something, I can just drive over there and they'll fix it while I wait. So that, that's obviously handy. And, 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 you know, would be handy for you too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but from time to time I just get bored, right? Like I'm sure we all do. We're, we're all kind of gun whores and we like to try new stuff and, and yeah, I get bored. So like, uh, you know, early in my shooting career, before I even got into USPSA, I would just like, like, Oh, you know, I really like my Glock, but is, is there something better out there? So I would just go like buy a gun cold, like buy a M&P or buy a, a Walther and get a, get a holster made for it and just go shoot a match cold. I thought you were borrowing these from people. Well, no. so the canic, the canic last summer I did. Okay. okay. But I'm very well known for like yeah. buying a lot of guns and trying lots of new things. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, they're easy, I, I shot sell. they're easy to like get rid of. Guns are super easy to sell, right? Like super high, you know, they, they maintain their value. It's not like a car or a pair of golf clubs. Like it's, Yep. It's almost like a like having a gold brick in your hand and you know you can use yeah. it for a while and send it on down the road and get 95% of your money back out of it. 
yeah. or make money on it if the you know market crazy hmm. supplies tight. Um, yeah. you, know, you can get a bit of your money back out of the gun. So yeah, yeah. Now, have you done the like drawing from a concealed carry holster yet in, in USPSA? Have you done that rule change? Um, I have, and so actually, that was one of the big things I liked about GADPA when I shot previously. Being a defensive sport, they were a little fuddish early on, but like the indoor matches that I shot, where everybody knew each other, they would let you carry appendix, and you know that's how I carry. So that that was definitely a draw to that type of shooting sport is the ability to practice with the guns that I carry every day. So like you know, I didn't always shoot the match with my Glock 34. I would shoot a 19 or a 17 or, or whatever I happened to be carrying. Um, I'm trying to think if I actually shot a USPSA match from appendix and I don't think I have, but it's definitely appealing. Like, yeah, I want to you know, do that for sure. I like if that. I was just looking for a, for a, for a practice day for my carry gun. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I've done, I've done like outlaw matches since I've been in USPSA where they didn't follow the proper rule set for target presentations and all that other stuff. But I mean, I've definitely shot matches from concealment, just not USPSA. Gotcha. Have, and you haven't been roped in anything else with Derek or them, like three gun, two guns, or shotgun so, stuff. Or yeah, so three, <laughs> three, three guns. Interesting, right? Because like I had a buddy that when I got into the shooting sports in like 2017 or 2018, um, we shot Gap together, and he was actually a guy I played paintball with. So you know huh. that that we we were looking for ways to expand the competitive nature of of shooting. So we did the pistol sports. We did a couple rifle matches. And then he's like, oh, we should totally do, do three gun. And I'm like, bro, I've, I've never shot a shotgun in my entire life, like ever. Um, so I went out and bought uh, a three gun style shotgun. Uh, I got a Stoker M3K. Yeah, that's right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I need some loving to get it going 100%. Right. But for, you know, you get a good value for, for what that gun costs. But like, I'd never shot at anything with a shotgun. I'd certainly never loaded one on the clock. So it seemed like a horrible idea. So we just actually went out and shot sporting clays. Okay. Um, you know, I, I figured like, Hey, that's a pretty leisurely fun activity. And like, if I can shoot a moving target while I'm stationary, then shooting a stationary target while I'm moving easier. probably would be easier if you can shoot and move, which I can. So, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that guy bought a boat and vanished from the shooting sports. Uh, Cause he got big into like wakeboarding and stuff like that. Oh, geez. And, uh, so you have a yeah. shotgun with no use for it. Well, so I had the Stoker for a while and I kept it for about a year after that and would just occasionally randomly go shoot sporting clays. And, and eventually I got to the point where I'm like, look, I'm never, I think I'd actually almost talked myself into going to shooting a match here with the Atlanta three gun crew way back when, and like they posted their stages in advance. And one of them was like something ridiculous. It was like a 40 round shotgun stage unloaded yep. start. And I'm, and I'm like, I don't have enough caddies to carry all this shit. And I'm not going to buy it. Right. So I was like, yeah, all right, well, that's a bullshit excuse. When I know those crew, they would have all of the vests for you to use and all of the So, so now, now I know how that community is and that people totally would have loaned gear and stuff like that, but I didn't know that then. And, yeah. and it seemed like, you know, a, a high cost of entry to, to shooting a sport. Right. If that ever happens, I will come in town for that. And you cool. can borrow, I have running stuff, but that was really funny because I have a 32 round shotgun caddy right yeah. I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah. All right. Maybe one day you'll talk me into shooting shotgun and I'll have, I'll have to borrow yours because I don't have a, I don't have like a three gun shotgun anymore. I have a, actually, I got back into sporting clays, but I bought a Beretta A400. Yeah. Um, those are good soft shooting guns. Yeah, they are. So I wanted something my wife could shoot because she hated my Stoker because it, it, you know, a she didn't it like moves. hold the guns. She didn't hold the gun super tight, and it kind of beat up on her a little bit. But the the, the Beretta A four hundred with the the kickoff system, yeah, like she can go shoot two hundred rounds through it. And it's it's no big deal. So yeah, I um, so, was it, do you know Chris Parker? Uh 
I do know. I think I know Chris. He, he's a local Georgia guy, right? It's kind of kind of short. Got yeah. a yeah yeah a goatee or something like that. Well, he's got the flaming tattoo. No, but no. he worked Georgia State. That's that's how I know him. Uh, he worked the Georgia State match with us last year. I think so. so. Fun for fun. Real quick story is um, Atlanta had the falling steel match, and you could shoot all shotgun division, so it was similar. And I think there was like. I don't know, 250, 300 rounds of off all the stages. And that's all shooting either PC or pistol or whatever. And I convinced him to shoot shotgun with a Stoger. And I swear to God, his whole shoulder was purple for like a week. The bruise was dripping lower and lower. And he cussed me out pretty good for thinking that that was like something he could do. <laughs> so next time you uh, see him, ask him how that went. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I can imagine because the Stoger, I mean, even for me, the Stoger wasn't fun to shoot, okay. but you know, three gun is, is obviously my perspective is completely from the outside, but it almost seems like you're just running around the same course of fire two or three times, dumping your gear in predetermined locations, right? Because you can only dump your shotgun or your rifle in a barrel and the pistol either holstered or in a, a thing, right? So like, there's only so much you can do. And like the videos I saw from two gun nationals, even it's like, That's you, ran, you, you like ran left to right and shot it with your rifle and then right to left and shot it with your pistol no. or something. I will say that. So two gun nationals was not what I consider a multi-gun match at all. Two gun nationals. I a hundred percent think that that was forced position for stage plan. Everyone, they only had one option. You're completely yeah. right. In most three gun circumstances, like white steel is shotgun or pistol or PCC right. division. And like for you can neutralize paper with slug targets. And so like, there are so many more options when a true multi-gunner puts that together and you're right, there's barrels, but we'll put like multiple barrels or you could have them. Sure. The they're not the weird slant boxes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I don't want to digress, but that was kind of a bummer to see like two gun was very forced. You didn't shoot that, did you? No, I didn't. And, and, and like I, it's so I was getting that two gun is actually super interesting for me. Right. Cause yeah. I, I love handgun and I love the opportunity to shoot PCC or even a carbine. I love shooting five, five, six guns, uh, especially. Um, but I'm not a fan of the scoring they use. Yeah, sure. Right. Cause like the ability to shoot on the move and do it accurately is an advantage for me. And like yeah. for that type of scoring, like any knucklehead can throw to it Brown and you're good to go. Right. So like yeah. that, that's a disadvantage for me. It's not that like that makes me not want to go shoot the match, but it no, just didn't, right. seem, it didn't seem super challenging. Sure. 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 You'd be surprised though. I mean, they did throw in a lot of different, like, notes. I mean, you make it challenging by going faster. Right. I mean, yeah. so like, I mean, I, I know the match was challenging for sure. It just wasn't super appealing to me. That's fair. Now would you so, shoot open or irons? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I didn't even look at the divisions. I mean, I've got well, enough guns to, sh to shoot whatever. red dot on the pistol or iron sights on the pistol and then PCC is... Oh, okay. I mean, probably with an optic on the pistol. Okay. Because okay. I've, I've, I've shot irons on a pistol, like... <laughs> a handful of times. <laughs> competitively, only once in the past year, which is I borrowed a Glock 35 to shoot limited from a buddy, and uh, yeah. it was a training edge. Yeah. I kind of want to see you shoot two gun because I think yeah. you'd be good at it. That's the thing. Maybe we'll see, we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But okay, if, so, you, if you find yourself in Atlanta shooting some three gun match or something like that, let me know. And maybe, maybe, maybe I'll come out. I will. Have you had ever any interest by the way, in like long range or precision or NRL 22 or anything else? Like curious. So I, I don't even know what NRL 22 is. I know you do it. Um, yeah. I, I haven't taken the time to look at it. I actually do like long range shooting. Like I've got an AR 10 gas gun in 308 and uh, Remington 700 and, I'm blessed at my home club, Riverbend Gun Club. Like we have uh, steel target opportunities out to like 600 yards there that like just any member can drive out and use. So it's pretty awesome. I don't get out there to do it enough because, you know, obviously the good ammunition to do that is expensive. I mean, all ammo is expensive right now, but that ammo was expensive. Oh yeah. Back and it was then. expensive so, before. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like, I'm scared to even look to see what, you know, federal gold battle match uh, is, is looking like these days. Thankfully I've got, you know, 500 or 600 rounds sitting around here for whatever I need to do with it. Yeah, I haven't gone shopping for it. So I do enjoy it. Uh, you know, obviously it's a, it's a, I mean, just leisurely shooting is one thing I've never shot a match or mm-hmm. even looked at matches, but yeah, I'm open to any kind of shooting discipline. Okay. Okay. Shooting, shooting guns is fun. Why would you not want to? It's just a matter of how much time in the year you have to dedicate to any given thing. Yeah. Mine is just, I'm mediocre at everything. Cause I want to shoot it all. <laughs> well, I, Hey, I mean, you're probably having more fun than I am. So that's important. That's important. So what is your PCC setup? So I'm curious, like, you know, what, what trigger, what optic, what buffer, small that, what do you run? Sure. So I, I've always been a home build person. Like even with my defensive ARs, like I, I just see it as a tremendous waste to buy a gun and take off like 50% of the parts to replace it with stuff either that you have just a personal preference for, or that, you know, you're replacing stock, you know, a stock buffer with something that's better. So like, you know, I know dudes love their JPs and, and all that jazz, but like you're paying $2,000 for a gun. And most of those dudes are immediately replacing the buffer and the trigger. Yeah. Um, which is, it's like a quarter, quarter of the gun, right? It's like a quarter of the gun price. So um, I actually do have mine here. Um, this guy right here. So complete home build setup there. Um, the, the focal point being the uh, quarter circle 10 lower. Um, so many people cheap out on their lowers and that just often results in tons and tons of problems, right? Cause yep. the, the Glock magazines are not well suited for PCCs. Uh, so getting the, the, the bullet position properly, getting the angle just right, because basically every bullet makes a leap of faith from the magazine to the barrel. Cause there, you know, there's like, there's almost a quarter inch of gap between the front of the magazine and the, the barrel extension. So unless you're running somebody's like massive ramped barrel, if your lower is not right, it's going to cause you tons and tons of headaches. Right. So Q, QC10 is the way on that. They're not a sponsor. It's just good gear, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like it, to buy the $100 lower, super alluring, but like QC10 at like 240 or 250 bucks is going to save you tons and tons of ads, right? Um, everything else is kind of kind of modified. So we'll start, start at the tip there. So I run an MBX barrel. Uh, so I wanted something that wasn't a full 16 inch length. So obviously that means you got to like get it pen and welded. So MBX just happens to sell, I think it's a, it's a 13.5 or 14 inch barrel with their compensator already pinned and welded on there. So you just buy it that way. So it's good to go. Yeah. Um, I run a handguard from TACOM that I put the like grip tape on um, just cause I like, you know, my, my shooting style, I do like the, the C clamp grip. So it's a nice small handguard size and it keeps my thumb out of the way of the optic. Right. So it's just a nice smaller diameter. Um, internals, I have a TACOM, uh, extreme short stroke bolt. Okay. Um, because it resets the, the trigger faster than almost anybody's out there. Um, now I did have some problems with their bolt, how it comes from the factory. So mine's modified. I don't know if it was just a tolerance stacking thing or what the case is, but I pretty heavily modified the, the like ramp on the underside and actually cut out their, their, their extreme short stoke bolt. One of the, the selling features, it has the ability for last round bolt hold open to work. Yeah. Right. But like who needs that? No, no. I, I don't, I, I don't need that. In, in <laughs> fact, my gun doesn't even have a bolt catch in it. I take mine it out. doesn't either. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's just one more thing to fail. So get that guy out of there. Yeah. So Tacom extreme short stroke bolt. I do the, um, the, uh, Blitzkrieg 5020 short stroke buffer mm-hmm. and a five tube. Right. Mm-hmm. Went to the uh, Magpul PRS light stock. It's a new one they've just dropped out. I like a little bit of heavier weight towards the back of the gun, so it just gives a little more bulk back there. 
Uh, I run a charging handle from Breek Arms, which is a nice wide body charging handle, a lot of gripping surfaces, easy to rip on when you got, you know, for unloaded starts or God forbid you have a malfunction like I did this weekend. Um, you know, <laughs> makes, makes it really easy to clear out of there. And then optics, I'm just, I'm running a Holosun, just a cheapy offset dot. And then EOTech, uh, I got big on board with EOTech um, two years ago, I think. Um, just through some like healthy online debate, and, like a local message forum here in Georgia. Some guy was like, you know, everybody's like, oh man, whatever optic I'm running is the best optic out there. And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta shoot it. Right. Um, so a big talk at the time, I think was the, the Holosun 510C had just hit the market and it's a great optic. It's a tremendous price point, but some guy who I didn't know who he was came on in, in the dialogue and he's like, why don't more people use EOTech? And this was like right after EOTech had their big like controversy with the zero shifting and all that jazz. And I'm like, well, EOTech suck. <laughs> you know, I'm like, the atrocious and, you know, they had all these zero problems. So like, why would anybody use it? And he made some pretty good arguments, uh, you know, with the holographic being superior to the, uh, you know, the LED emitter. And as it turns out, this guy was a local rep. For EOTech. So yeah, so right. So he, he had an ulterior motive when it came to our conversation. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, this conversation didn't go as most online debates do to just like name calling and you're a dummy and all that jazz. And he actually offered to just send me an EOTech. Uh, so he sent me a like a TNE unit. He's like, use it for a month, use it for a year. You know, whenever you're done with it, um, you can send it back, you know, no charge. Just, just experiment with. And he's like, and if you like it, I'll sell it to you at a price you can't refuse. And uh, I, I, I can't, I have like pretty bad astigmatism with my eyes. So like most dots are not dots. They're like 18 MOA. Yeah. Like asymmetrical starfishes. So, but like the EOTech, you know, and even when you're shooting target focus, it just looks that way. Right. But the EOTech is the crispest presentation that I've ever used. Yeah. So, and, and contrary to a lot of people, I actually use the circle dot reticle from them. Yeah. Got the 65 MOA ring with the the one MOA dot in the center. And the, for the distances that we commonly shoot in USPSA, so like most target placements are like, you know, seven to 10 yards, 15 yards, 25 yards. And on my Instagram, I actually did a little like uh, mathematic calculation to show people how that presents, but at like seven, 15 and 25 yards, that circle reticle like paints the zones of the target perfectly. So at seven yards, that 65 MOA basically covers edge to edge the A zone. It does the same thing on a C at 15 yards and it's basically edge to edge on the target at like 25 yards. So as it comes to like, you know, instead of waiting for the dot to float into the zone, you're seeing the circle creep across the target. So it just gives you a little earlier visual cue that you're approaching time to pull the trigger. Interesting. Do you wear special eyewear or whatever for your stigmatism or you just kind of roll with it? No. Yeah. I just work. I wear contact lenses made for astigmatism, and it helps to a certain degree when when they're working and you're not in like dusty, dry conditions because you know the way they work, they're weighted, right? So like it rotates to a certain way, but like if your eyes get dry and you blink and it can get askew, then you're all super blurry until it gets back in position. So it's really a huge pain in the ass. But that sounds awful. Um, no, nothing especially for shooting or anything like that. No, just normal yeah. vision correction. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, how did you train yourself to shoot like? faster on the move with the dot and, and all and target transitions. I mean, you are at a huge level where, how, how do you teach yourself all that? So I'm, I'm like the worst person to ask for this because I don't train. I don't practice uh, very rarely, honestly. Like uh, the only thing I practiced for really in 2021 was the uh, weekend reload stage at nationals. Yeah. 
I did like 20 minutes of reps on that two or three days before the match, just cause like who the hell had ever reloaded their offhand. Right. So just, just to make sure I wasn't going to do something silly. Um, but most of my, my shooting skill, I, I really have to attribute to the competitive paintball scene. Like yeah. I, I'm used to responding to, to a, a buzzer, right. They have a start signal. I'm used to running and shooting. I'm used to, you know, and, and being relatively stable while doing that. A paintball is obviously radically different because the balls are basically tracers going out there to each one, but it still helps with the mechanics of, you know, where, how you're positioned and where the gun's pointed and all that jazz. Hmm. Um, you know, I help with target focus stuff. Um, transitions were something that I kind of had to work on and um, didn't really work on it in practice. I just, I, I do it by shooting matches, man. Hmm. Um you know, like I said, I work a full-time job. Um, I got two, two young kids in the house. So like my time to train and shoot is extraordinarily limited. Um, so I mostly just shoot matches. Um, and especially to the point I'm at right now is most, most of the hurdles when you get to high level of shooting aren't mechanical, right? Like we all know how to shoot guns. We all know how to put two in the A zone. We all know how to transition. We hopefully know how to move. I mean, obviously most people can do it more efficiently than they're doing, but it's mostly a mental game, right? Like prep before the buzzer, right? Clearing your mind, having your stage plan dialed in, knowing how you're entering and ex- exiting every position, what part of the target you're going to shoot at when you get into that position, think, things of that nature. And you can practice that stuff all day long on, on a cold range, but like once you step onto the USPSA course of fire and they neuralize you with the, the timer, um, you can only fix that at match speed, in my opinion. And uh, that's kind of what I do. How did you learn the mental stuff? trial and error. <laughs> I wish, I wish there was a shortcut that I could just be like, Oh, here's what you got to do. And, and, and I'm sure there's some, some training coaches out there. I mean, there's a lot of great guys out there doing it. JJ and Tom Castro and uh, Ben and, and all those guys, you know, um, I'm sure they have lots of awesome things that they can teach you about that. I'm just not that guy. I, just, I'm teacher. I, okay. I, I would say I'm, I, I mean, I, I'm happy to teach any, anybody, anything they want to learn, right? You want to come shoot a match with me? I'll, I'll, teach you stage planning. And, you know, I, again, I can tell you every bit of that stuff, but you're going to forget 90% of it when the buzzer goes off and it's just repetition. That's going to help you zone in and focus and clear your mind and yeah. Yeah. Be able to do it. And then, you know, that, that type of stuff will get you to a class. It'll get you to M class, but to really bump the GM, you got to be able to, it's all about consistency and being able to do it on every course of fire that you step onto, not just most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know people that, um, I wouldn't say fear you, but they know that like you are zoned in, you are consistent, you have a mental game. Like <laughs> now people have to beat Jason and, and it wasn't <laughs> always that case. I mean, who, I would who's think, that? Who, who you, are you know, talking about? you know, a few of my friends. <laughs> oh, your, your Tennessee friends. Yeah. yeah I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, you are super, I won't say cocky, but you are very like sure of yourself more of like, <laughs> I mean, you know, so yes, I've been accused of, doing, of being that way a lot of times. Honestly, I'm, I'm just a reserved kind of guy. I'm not chatty. I'm like the antithesis of you, right? <laughs> like, I just don't run around a match chatting up everybody. Like, if you come talk to me, I'm going to talk to you, right? We all like to talk about what we do. So if you ask me about stage planning or guns or bullets, like, you know, I'll talk your ear off. But like, I'm not just going to go approach a random person and be like, hey, how you doing? Um, <laughs> just, just not my thing. Whether, whether you're a fellow competitor, whether you're a, a pro shooter, you know, some Hollywood actor type. Like I'm just, I'm not that guy. Yeah. I just don't do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when it's, when you're at the match, man, it's all about focus and like, yeah, you can goof off a little bit in between stages and stuff like that. But like when, you know, you're, you're 
not even the on deck shooter, when you're kind of in the hole, um, you know, you got, you got two, two real approaches to shooting a major match. You can either kind of, you know, if you're shooting on super squad, which I'm not blessed to do that, I'm not that good, but like if you're shooting with other good shooters or, or even terrible shooters, you got, you know, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to, are you going to watch that shooter? Right. Which sometimes can be beneficial. You may see something that you didn't recognize and, you know, you can roll the dice and change your stage plan, uh, which rarely works out by the yeah. way. Um, or what I generally do is just kind of zone out. I'll, I'll turn around and not watch those shooters or, or you know, wander off or, or, you know, not necessarily go to the adjacent bay because you're not supposed to do that. But, you know, um, basically just not pay attention, right? And just start getting in my zone, do some like deep breathing exercises just to chill the heart rate out because like we're, we're all our own worst enemies, right? It's like we got all of our buddies watching and it's like, man, I really messed up that stage before. I've got to you know, that's another thing you don't do is I really got to make up those points on this stage. Like, cause that's like a recipe for disaster as well. Don't do that. Just shoot your stage each and every time, but just, yeah, clear your head, get your heart rate back where it needs to be before the buzzer. Cause uh, you know, it's, it's going to start doing its own thing after the buzzer goes off anyway. So you need to, the very least you can do is to have a good baseline before it's time to start pulling triggers. Yeah. How does like shit talking with your buddies help? <laughs> um, somebody just shared something on social media. I forget what it was, but like, you know, we're basically, it's basically all like, Hey, you're, you're a piece of trash. That was the worst run I've ever seen. You know, lots of like homosexual innuendo and all that fun stuff. It's great. It's what makes the sport what it is. And, and that's, so that's something I missed from my paintball days. Right. Cause I was basically traveling the country with 10 or 12 of my best friends out there traveling and, you know, shooting people in the face and drinking and partying through my twenties. Right. And, and that's, it's basically you're basically traveling all, all your best friends which is awesome shooting sports a little bit different right because like we have that camaraderie but it's a little different because like at the end of the day i'm gonna cheer for you mm-hmm. but i kind of hope you fail yeah you know like i'm not gonna outwardly say it but like um you know i don't want something silly to cause me to beat somebody i don't want a gun problem no, or right. something like that like i want to straight up beat the person head to head in a shooting competition but like you know i want you to do well but i want to do a little bit better yeah. Kind of you know? Yeah. Total in competition environment. Yeah. I hate it when somebody's guns failed. So you can't compare you. You won't know where you ended would have ended up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Something you mentioned earlier and I haven't dabbled in it. Obviously I got into reloading. I have not even started thinking about PCC loads and I know you're sponsored yeah. by brass monkey. Um, but like I watched, I already a lot of matches and I watched a lot of bullet profiles fail in a lot mm-hmm. of PCCs feeding. So yeah. Like what are the, what are the best kind of bullets to look at and profiles and all that for feeding and PCCs? So go, going back to the lower, if you have a good lower, right? So if you've got a JP or you've got a quarter circle ten, or I'm sure there's other manufacturers that are equally good that I just don't have experience with. Um, most of those are going to feed any type of bullet profile, as long as you have a barrel that has some sort of like tapering to the chamber opening, it's going to be pretty good. So like I don't shoot a ramped barrel here. I've shot them in the past. Like I've had. When I had feeding problems with lowers, like I, I would buy ramped barrels. I put a, there's like a, a company called Tacom does a, the same guys do the hangar. They do like a feed ramp that you can actually like middle into your lower, like you cut a little notch and it's just a, you know, how like ARs have that, there's that little like triangle plastic wedge you can put on the back take, back takedown pin to prevent the wiggle. Well, there's kind of goes at the front and it's got like a little ramp that just fills the gap between the magazine and the barrel. So like, but the bottom line is, if you got to do one of these things, it's because you got a crappy lower and it's just yeah. not getting the bullet to where it needs to be. So I, now I don't shoot jacketed hollow points through my rifle. Like it just, that seems like a huge expenditure for no good reason. And, and honestly, in a PCC, you're just asking for trouble, but like I'd shot 
flat points. I've shot round nose. I've shot like the conical, you know, truncated cone bullets. And like, honestly, everything feeds in my PCC. Now my personal preference, I, I go light. I like light bullets going fast. So I shoot the 115 grain for brass monkey and I'm pushing it out there around 138 power factor, give or take, um, which just gives a nice repeatable dot movement to me. Um, and that's actually part of what contributed to my uh, terrible match yesterday is like, it's kind of off season. I've already shot a major this year, but it's off season for most people. Um, so it's time to play around with some stuff. So like the, you know, for instance, the, the Magpul PRS stock, like I just put that on, on the gun and at the end of December, I yeah. think shot like two matches on it and went, went to Florida with it and, and it did great. But like, you know, I'm like, I've, I've shot this load all year and it worked great, but like it's hotter than it really needs to be. So like, I'm going to see what a little less does. And, and honestly, it wasn't much. It was like, you know, three tenths of a grain powder less. So like I went out in Chrono and it was like 28 degrees Wednesday or Thursday gunshot. Great. It was like 130, 131 power factor. And then of course I get to a match. It's the exact same temperature outside, but the gun is short stroking. Um, I don't know why, but like just taking that much off caused it to not fully cycle each time. So like I had two, two were like the, the bolt came back and instead of catching the back of the, the case, caught the case rim. So it was like death jam ended up having 10 seconds of malfunction time on what would have been a 13 second stage. So like that, and that was, this was by the way, my very first stage of the day. Oh, good. Set the talent. Yeah. Started it off nice, but here, here's the fun part, right? That takes all the pressure off because when you when you when you blow a stage that bad at a like a six stage local, yeah. the matches over. Like, have fun at that yeah. point, and that's what it became. It was go fast and get loose, and you know, see if you can connect on stuff. Now, unfortunately, I didn't connect on stuff, um, and you know, I'm not gonna say that I, I had a bad day. Maybe I did have a bad day, but I think personally that the I, I'm so tuned in with the gun. You know, I shot this one load consistently all last year. I know that I can throw 11 splits with one sight pitcher and they're both hitting the A zone yeah, with relative confidence. And like having it be lower velocity means my compensator is not doing as much work and the bolt is cycling slower. So it was just enough that I probably needed to get two proper sight pitchers or, or at least slow the cadence down a little bit, you know, shoot some 13 or 14 splits instead of 11s. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it was, I, I threw some mics because the confidence that I had in the gun wasn't there with a different bullet that was pushing the bolt at a different speed. So um, for all you people out there that like to change your stuff, stop. It's not worth it. Are like, you wearing a hyperfire? I do use a hyperfire. Yeah, I've got a this, – this is a, this is actually an old 24C. So this is like the old school one. It's like – it's got the multiple parts. Like the multiple the pins are separate from the – that one. So like I've actually had this one for, gosh, probably three years. Nice. It's, it's lived in this gun. It was in my MPX that I shot for the 2020 season. Like it's probably got 30 or 40,000 rounds on it. Awesome. And it's died numerous times. It has. So you can just replace springs? What? Yeah. Replace the disconnectors. Well, I mean, all, all the blowback guns are really hard on it. The MPX was super duper hard on it. And it just, you know, smushes the disconnector spring. And like early on it started, yeah, like seriously, like the disconnector springs normally like that big. And it came out of my gun and it was like that big and like all like, <laughs> cattywampus twisted to the side um and that that's super fun when it happens at a major so like the gun started like doubling and tripling at south carolina in 2020 i think so like i was shooting some stage in the nasty mud there and like it was basically like triple firing every target that i shot at and like you know i'm a pretty fast shooter so like the ro's were like they didn't even try to stop me until like the end like that's not fun to have to rip your gun apart and change parts in the middle but oh and every match no i'm just kidding 
No, honestly, that's that's the only. So I've had two failures at a major. I had like one of my very first ones. I think the 2018 Georgia State match. I was in master at the time, and like I was on pace to win that that match in master as my second major ever. And I had a firing pin break on the very last stage of the or the next to last stage of the match, stage nine of ten. Firing pin broke, basically like on like the third target. So like it was it was a zero yep. for the stage and basically killed my match. So that. I was learning experience and instituted some uh, gun maintenance techniques that I use still today for PCC shooting. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't broken a hyperfire trigger yet, but I have broken. Yeah. I mean, no, no part of the trigger has actually broken. Like yeah. the, the actual mechanical bits are fantastic. It's honestly just the disconnect, disconnector spring and I broke a hammer spring, but that happened on like a, like I was just out chronoing one day and the trigger went dead. But the awesome thing about the hyperfire stuff is it uses mil spec parts. Like you can just take a, you know, hammer spring or a disconnector spring out of a, five dollar spare parts kit and it puts yeah. the gun right back in the service right back together can you share your um let's see your powder your load or any of that yeah so the the main powder that i use is uh, clean shot from shooters world yep um had a local guy that turned me on to that a couple years ago and it's just like super super fine grain powder it meters awesome in the dylan powder bars like i get single digit standard standard deviation and extreme spread in my pcc so like PRS level ammo that like, you know, everybody's like, Oh, are you measuring those out individually? I'm like, not only am I not measuring them out, it's like whatever random mixed head stamp brass range pickups that I, that I'm reloading here. Um, so shooters world clean shot is my primary go-to powder, obviously brass monkey bullets and 115 grain for the PCC. Um, that's the bulk. I mean, you want like particulars on exactly what I'm, what I'm doing. I was just curious because I haven't, that's, not, that's, that's top secret information. That's oh. the secret sauce, right? No, I'm <laughs> just funny. kidding. I, I mean, I, I'll tell anybody that wants to know, but yeah. I don't want to just put it out here on a, on a podcast yeah. because like there's a bunch of knuckleheads reloading that can take information and not look at all the variables. Like, you know, if I tell you to do a certain overall length and that's too long for your barrel or it's your fault, so, it's your fault Jason. Yeah, totally. So like anybody wants to talk reloading, hit me up uh, on the internets, you know, go find me on Instagram or Facebook and like, we can talk in depth about your particular yeah. setups, but uh, yeah, shooters world and brass monkey, man. That's a, that's a winning combination for sure. Nice. Nice. Now last year, um, you, you just said it earlier ish. It sounds like you didn't end up at nationals where you wanted to be at nationals last year in 2020 or 2021, 2021, just recently. Yeah, not at all. Um, yeah. So the 2021, yeah. PCC carry optics nationals at CMP was, uh, it was only my second nationals event. So I shot the PCC nationals the year before at Frostproof, which was just kind of a travesty. Honestly, it was a two day match, 12 stages, Mm-hmm. they didn't really do anything to challenge PCC. Like there were some awkward ports, like, you know, angled slanted ports, but like they would have been challenging for handgun. And then the one stage that was like, there were some like 65 yard targets. There was like a 60 yard swinger. Um, you know, sure. That's kind of challenging for PCC, but that match really, really was terrible. I did okay at that match. I think I finished like 68th or 69th or something like that. And, and I was a master at the time. Yeah. But yeah, this year, um, over at Talladega, um, you know, I, I just shot a super consistent match. Like I didn't do anything crazy to, to, you know, cause matches like that over three days, you don't, you don't win the match at any particular stage or any particular day. You lose the match on a particular stage or a particular day. So I just did clean, you know, try to do as clean shooting as possible. I started in zone two, which was like the, not the most vanilla, but it was like average, right? Like, so then you get to zone three and it was just like crazy buck wild shanning stages with half hip six swingers and carrying a 30 pound ammo can and all that jazz. So like, you know, I got through day two, didn't, didn't have a horrible, horrible time. I was right, right where I wanted to be. 
day three on the tough stages actually did pretty well. Um, you know, I, I, I ended up finishing third on that ammo can stage in PCC. Nice. So like Max Leo Grandis and Scott Green were the only dudes that beat me on that one. Nice. And they, they actually put the ammo can down and I carried it the whole way shooting that thing one handed. So that did okay. And then zone one, I got to zone one and looked at, it was like vanilla easy. And I made a fatal mistake. I didn't respect targets. Right. So I think I ended that match with like five or six mics wow. in total. And all of them are were on wide open targets between 12 and 15 yards. Yeah. Super close. Yeah. No, no hard cover, no, no shoots, yep. just targets that I didn't respect. And I either transitioned too hard or split too hard on. And yeah, so I ended up finishing 18th. So top 20 was my goal and I met my goal and that's awesome to meet your goal. But like, then you get into the old practice score competitor app after the match, if right? Then, if then, if then. Ugh, the, the what if. So if I take, if I took my six mics, <laughs> right, and took half a second uh-huh. to get an alpha, half a second, mind you, right? Like I can shoot two targets yeah. with two rounds each in half a second, right? <laughs> half a second to get an A per, on, on six targets. So adding three seconds of raw time mm-hmm. to pick up six alphas, I would have finished ninth. Like you beat yourself up over that. Like, you know, I met my goal and that's awesome. But like you, what if yourself to death and yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, that's it's how fuel for it at the top. Fu- I feel like what's that. That's how tight it is at the top though as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, obviously you got guys like, like Max who were, you know, he, he had a wicked malfunction on a stage on the, the soon to be classifier, right? Yeah. Like seven second malfunction on a, on a, on a, on a six uh-huh. second stage. And still won the match, right? But he shot consistently enough. And that's the awesome thing about a three-day, 18-stage match is, like, you can have a dumpster fire. You can have one, right? And then you shoot clean through the rest of the match, and and, and you win matches. You know, yeah. you don't win matches by winning stages. You win matches by consistently placing third or fourth or something like that across yep. all, the, all the stages with one or two pitfalls in right areas where you're not, like, just throwing points out the window. Yeah. You didn't train at all for nationals or do any sort of extra live fire or dry fire, like still. Well, like I told you, I, I, I did do the, 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 the weak hand reload thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I did like 20 minutes of practice for that. <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> it, was hot outside. it was hot in Georgia in what was that? September. So yeah, it was October. Brutal. October. Yeah. Well, I think the practice session was maybe like the last week in September or something like that. Whatever. <laughs> I was sweaty when I left the range. So it was hot. Right. I'm always sweating when I leave the range. But no, prior to that, no, I, I, I the, the number, it, it's really sad. So like I'm a member at Riverman Gun Club, fantastic facility. We got like 20 action pistol bays. I go out there leisurely to shoot, not where it's not a match, maybe four or five times a year. Yeah. It's really, really sad. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just shoot matches, indoor matches, outdoor matches, preferably, right? Just because I get more complex stages and usually more stages. Um, I've got some awesome indoor matches. Uh, I shoot at a range called Sharpshooters USA in Roswell. Uh, it's a group called Hammerdown USPSA. They have uh, like, I guess they, they call them tactical walls or something like that, but it's basically like rubberized walls with AR-500 behind it. So we can shoot 180 degrees inside. Yeah, that's cool. Um, not on the whole bay, but like the last 10 or 15 yards. So for, you know, it, most indoor matches suck, right? Because everything's got to go in the trap. But yeah here they're able to do outdoor style stages obviously smaller because it's an indoor range so instead of 32 round courses of fire it's maybe 26 or 28 but you get to do some of those wide transitions and things like that that you normally just don't get to do indoors so um, I you know my my target is to kind of shoot four or five matches a month 
right? But you have you have during the week matches though. So yeah. I do. Yeah. That, so awesome thing about the Atlanta shooting scene. I mentioned that like my very first matches were with some of the like top what what, what ended up being some of the top GM like super squad shooters at one time in the Atlanta area and still great competitors. Um, so there's always competition in Atlanta. We have, you know, within 90 minutes of downtown Atlanta, there is a match virtually every weekend. Yeah. Sometimes multiple per weekend. Uh, like I'm counting CMP, but that's, you know, that's a 90 minute drive for me. Right. So like East side, North side of town, South side out in Alabama is a match every weekend. Right. Right. And then, and then for indoors, I've got USPSA every Monday night, um, every other Tuesday, every, every Thursday. And then there's like a second and third Sunday match as well. So like, if you want to go shoot here in Atlanta, you got time to do it. Right. And that's honestly, that's, that's my practice regimen. I, I go there and like, you know, obviously there's not, a, there, there are PCC shooters in Atlanta. There's a lot of really good ones, but they don't always shoot the indoor matches because it's you know, quite honestly, not a huge challenge for them. And, I don't want to say it's not a challenge for me because every match is challenging in some form or fashion, but like my, my metric there is to go and like, I'm either shooting for time. Right. So like, if it's a simple match like that, I go with a goal in mind here, I'm going to go and I'm going to have the fastest roll time by X number of seconds, or I'm going to do a points night. I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I want to shoot 95% of the points tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of what the time is now, I don't want to go slow, but like, you know, right. basically instead of just getting there and throw into with one site pitcher, I'm going to ensure that everything is an alpha. Yeah. Right. But I always, always go with a goal for those kinds of matches. And, and honestly, most matches, even the, the outdoor matches go with some kind of a goal, whether it's like I said, winning, obviously that's a, that's, that's a big one or, or raw time or points or, or whatever the case is. So I just kind of mix that up and that kind of just builds that natural throttle inside of your body that you know how fast you should be going for a certain type of target presentation. Right. Right. Now. Okay. 2022 goals then. So what are you doing? this year what are your goals and then what's nationals look like yeah so I'm, I'm 2021 was actually a pretty slow year so I shot seven majors in 2020 I only shot five last year I don't know why it just worked out that way but I, I shot a lot of matches I think I ended up with 52 total matches for 2021 but uh, my goal this year is to do eight or nine majors so I've already shot Florida State um what was that two two three weeks ago yeah. got Alabama coming up uh, area six um, look at, my, look at my list here. Sorry. Uh, Kentucky. Yes. I just signed up for area five this morning. So area five is open for anybody that's, uh, interested in doing that. Now that's a long drive. That's like 11 hours from Atlanta, but it's straight up I 75. And, uh, you know, Hey, I, I, it was a good time slot, right? It's at the end of July. Uh, so yeah. there wasn't a lot of other matches going on and right around there. And yeah, wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, the Georgia state match I'll be shooting. Obviously it's not at my home club this year, which I'm oh, bummed man. about. It's going to, it's going to be at a different club, but, uh, that's okay. Um, Carolina classic, one of my personal favorites. Uh, that was my first major win in 2020 at the Carolina classic when it's, uh, what's the name of that range? Something that's not club. Belton. No, no, not Belton. Belton's where South Carolina is. Okay. Um, I can't remember. Not important, but that, that was my first match win. So like that match is kind of hey, special, right? Um, so I'm going to go back to that one regardless. Uh, I'm going to shoot the Gator classic in Louisiana, Louisiana, probably. I just want to go try some, try some new stuff, man. That was kind of my goal for this year. One of them is to shoot some matches I haven't shot yet. So area five Gator and nationals is going to be the super big question mark, right? Um, like 
obviously I want to go out there and get my top 10, but I'm still undecided. I'm still undecided if I'm going to go to Colorado. Yeah. It's, it's far. Like I used to travel for work. You can wear I used a to, mask. Yeah. Your favorite. Yeah. You gotta, yeah, you gotta, you gotta wear a stupid mask to fly, uh, which I'm not a fan of, but also, I mean, I used to travel for work. I was in the air 30 weeks out yep. of the year. I, I'd fly a hundred thousand miles a year, all domestic. Like the last thing I want to do is get on a freaking airplane, yep. but like it's four days of shooting this year. Right. So like, considering stage walking plus travel days, it's seven days gone from home to shoot that match. Um, I tried to talk the wife into like, Hey, let's do the Clark Griswold thing and rent a car, (laughs) rent an RV and drive across country. And like, I'm going to go shoot for like five days and you know, we'll look at some sites along the way or something like that. My heart wasn't even in it. So I couldn't really sell her on it. Right. Right. (laughs) So I really want to go out there and make up for what I did at, you know, in the 2021 match Mm -hmm. still up in the air. Right. Uh, Maybe. I change things up mid year and shoot some more carry optics. And I go, go back to CMP and shoot the carry optics nationals. Obviously it's super close. It's convenient, but uh, I've got some work to put in if that's the goal, because uh, my carry optics game is not where it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's I going to say about that? So like for all of the matches, I mean, you want area wins obviously and across the board, all the matches that you go to, are you doing Tennessee mm-hmm. sectional? I don't think it's the same weekend as Carolina. They That's ended up because right. they, they, yeah, they moved their match because of the nationals. Um, I, I wanted to do that match because I've had fun at, the, well, I had fun at that match. What was it last year? I didn't shoot it in 2021. Well, they didn't have in, it last year. They, well, they had that other weird one out in Nashville or whatever. But yeah. uh, in 2020, I shot the match and it was fun. I shot it in 2019 and it kind of sucked because like the stages were super vanilla and like to increase difficulty, they just slapped no shoots all over everything, yeah. which is like super duper lazy stage design. Yeah. But the, the, uh, 2020 match was actually a lot of fun. So I would have loved to come back to that, but if you're going to force me to choose between Tennessee and Carolina classic, I'm yeah. going back to Carolina. Yeah. Mostly because like I said, I won it in 2020 and then 2021, I finished in third. Isaac Hansen won that match. Good job, Isaac. Good job. Yeah, but, but that one stings because I beat him in 2020. Right. So it's like, I know, it's like, I know, I know I can beat that dude. I know he can beat me. Right. It's, it's, it's a matter of which one of us shows up to the match and who wants it more, but I want that back. Cause I'm staring at this third place trophy over here to dry. Like I wanted to smash it flat uh, when, when I got it. Oh my gosh. Now are you working Georgia state or no? Cause it's not at your home range. I don't think so. So like a, that, that range is like an hour and 20 minutes away from me. And it's also a holiday weekend. It's Memorial day weekend. And like, uh, my in-laws have a place up in the North Georgia mountains. So like long weekends, we usually go, go up to the mountains. Right. So yeah. I will probably end up shooting that match on Friday on staff day and then like vanishing for the long holiday weekend. Okay. Okay. To be determined, but that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. But oh. I actually love, I actually, I love and hate working matches. Same. Same. Yeah. Like probably for different reasons though. Like the time investment obviously is a huge one, but I, I kind of liked living in ignorance prior to becoming an RO and working matches because I didn't recognize how awful most of our officiating is in the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like try working multi-gun when not a single RO on your RO team has shot multi-gun, not a single one, not a mm. zip. You know, how those rule sets are very different and yeah. they're changing the rules for multi-gun. So now they've got to learn like 10 more. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So like, what do you, what do you do? Right. Like even at locals, like you got people giving wrong range commands, people just like looking at targets and going, ah, I think that's a double. Mm -hmm. Like 
that's five yeah. points. That's this. I mean, like, that's what I'm like, right. like, oh, just give it to him. I was like, that's not how it works. And right. it, that could come down the top. Yeah, it's just frustrating. But we don't have to. We'll just. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and honestly, it's gotten worse with the ammo crisis, right? The ammo crunch, because like, it sucks to make somebody try to reshoot something. It's like, hey, guess what? It's 33 on course of fire. You got to reshoot it. That's like 25 bucks. Sorry. <laughs> like somebody forgot to paste the target. We can't score it. You got to reshoot. The worst. Um, yeah. yeah, it sucks, right? But like, that's what you get when you have competitor reset. And that's another huge thing. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Sorry, what's going on in this sport? You're good. Yeah. Right? Like, we have state level matches doing our, doing staff reset for a $150 match. And like, area matches and nationals can't do staff reset. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. That was the it's thing insane. I think World Speed Shoot as well. Yeah. It's insanity. I mean, it, 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 it would remove the reshoots, right? Cause you don't have random ass people going out to reset. I mean, now admittedly yeah, at nationals, like you usually have the staff resetting activators and stuff like that. Usually not always, but like it eliminates targets being pasted early and just other random stupid stuff. Like, yep. like what is this sport doing? Like, I mean, the yep. match is $300. Like how much more do you need to put one more staff on there to, with a paster gun to do his thing, man? Like that's, I'll say this between my prior life in paintball and USPSA is like the larger events are, are missing showmanship. Sure. Like you show up to the range and like, yeah, they slap some banners on the walls and like, there's like two vendor tables. Like, yeah. What, what's going on? Like this is supposed to be the premier event of the sport and it just looks like a big ass club match. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. They need to work on that. Honestly. Yeah. Now, I don't have the answer. Hopefully somebody's got the answer. There's a, you know, obviously there's a lot of goings on right now in that, that corner of the world that I would prefer to stay out of. But, um, you know, I don't know. Like, is it a financial burden that they can't do it? Great. Then what do we need to do to fix that? Is it increased match fees? Is it increased membership fees? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what the financials are, but like, right. it needs to be something better. Like, you know, where, where's all the, where's all the sponsors? Like nobody's sending, nobody's putting up booths. Like, what were there at nationals? Like six, six vendors there, something like that. I want to say probably four, five, six. Yeah, there's more than there's right? more than that. There, there Let's were Star Hunters, GX, the Mark MBX, MBX was there. Then they Bra- would do Bra- depending on matches, but yeah, there were. Yeah. I mean, they were small. There's one. And then Bra- Brian was there, of course, because he's at every match. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, like that's that's all you get out of the industry for yeah. nationals. Like, come on. Mm. I mean, I get that there are multiple nationals events, but. They weren't at the other ones either. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, I'm going to open a big-ass can of worms. Um, what are your thoughts and opinions on all of the things happening in USPSA right now? <laughs> Give me a specific, because... Uh... Um, well, we could start with bylaws. We could talk about the presidential elections now happen. We could talk about just, in, in general, the members kind of getting screwed on some of the stuff, right? Yeah, so I, I don't want to get too political into this no. whole thing, but, like... The bylaws thing really shouldn't have changed until the membership had a representative. So until a president was elected, yeah. uh, I think the argument, I haven't expended too much energy in this because I think we all know that no specific member input was going to change anything. So I usually choose not to expend energy on things that are beyond my control. Yep. Just a good, just a good way to live life. Right. Especially in politics. Yeah. I'm just like, I'll yeah. wait and see and then we'll worry about it. <laughs> but I think the only argument that the, the board of directors made was like that, Maryland, Maryland law was forcing us to do this because our nonprofit required X, Y, and Z. I'm like, why is that an emergency now? We haven't been doing this for how many years? And it's all of a sudden an emergency right now when there's no 
like member elected president. Yeah. Um, so that's really all I want to say about that. I'm not going to get into like who should be president and all that jazz. No. Um, I think we got, you know, we got some big problems with leadership in the sport because who, who can participate at that level? Like, you know, the area directors aren't paid or, you know, they get small, small stipends to cover expenses and things like that. But like, I can't dedicate time to go do that job. Yeah. You know, not without some salary attached to it. Yeah. And, you know, for the president as well, they're looking to chop the salary down, but it sounds like they're going to leave the responsibilities high, right? Like you still got to travel to all these events, but you're going to make like 40 grand a year. Like, and that's not the answer. Cause I'm that salary seems, I mean, that's unreasonable for even me at, at my age with my experience and my degree. Right. I'm like, I would never go work that. And you're hated by 50% of the organization, whoever the president is, it doesn't matter. That's kind of a hard life. I mean, so like, oddly enough, I, I don't remember how or why, but I got deep into some like internet searches and like seeing stuff from like 2016, 2017. And like everybody thought Foley was the best option out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he may have very well been at the time. Uh, and I, I honestly, I think some of his changes that he instituted were awesome for the sport. Yeah. You know, you want to grow the sport with a balancing act of maintaining its integrity. Yeah. You know, I think, I think most of the chirpy birds were the production guys because, you know, we've ruined everything. Right. Cause like, you know, you can change all the parts in your CZ now versus just the internal ones. Um, flashlights, Flashlight, yeah. flashlights are a big point of contention. Like, you know, dude, JJ is not losing cause he ain't got a flashlight on his gun. <laughs> right. If you're good, you're good. And it doesn't matter what you do to tweak out your gun. You're either good and you're elite or you're not. Yeah. Right. And personally for me, like I didn't immediately adopt flashlights because like I had to buy new holsters for, for yes. race, race gear. But personally, every defensive handgun I own has a flashlight. Yeah. Right. So to use USPSA as a practical shooting training tool, having a flashlight makes sense because the cadence of the gun with a flashlight is different than the cadence without. Oh yeah. Um, yep. Now, of course, obviously you got ammo differences, right? You got your defensive ammo versus the gamer stuff that we're shooting. And yeah. you know, it's obviously not a one-to-one exact replica, but like you know, I've got, I actually have my carry optics gun. Like this is my carry optics G34, yep. right? Flashlight. Yeah. This is almost identical to my carry gun with the only difference being my carry gun is a Glock 17. That's got the frame chop to a 19 link. So it's a little more concealable, but I like that barrel length. Yeah. With it. But that's it. This is, and I have a, like a hollow sun 508 T on the carry gun. And I got the SRO just cause it's a little bit bigger window. Yep. Um, you know, I've got a trigger on this one. This one has an apex. My backup gun has a Timney in it, but like that's almost hundred percent identical to my carry gun with some very, very minor differences. Right. So the ability to shoot appendix, if I want to, I think that was a phenomenal role change. The inclusion of flashlights in, in the divisions, phenomenal. Yep. Right. You don't want to participate, don't participate. And if you're good, it's not going to matter at the end of the day. Now, when you got the dudes like throwing in the like tungsten batteries with the little watch battery at the end, just to make the light little, you know, glow a little dimly, like that's probably a little extreme, but, um, I think a lot of the, a lot of the changes in the sport were good. Um, I think, I think we've got some room to go yet, which is going to like really offend a lot of people because there's, there's very little commonality between our divisions. Yeah. And I don't just mean like, the type of gun that you run because that's honestly a huge problem. So you got carry optics. It, it's iron sights, 10 rounds, right? You can take that carry or that production gun, put a dot on it and shoot it now in carry optics with 140 millimeter mags and be competitive with whatever dot you choose to put on there. Right. 
you can't do like, in my, this is my personal opinion. I think limited and carry optics have more in common than the production list. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. So I think, right. You see where I'm going with this? That's reloading. Yeah. It's yeah. So like, well, yeah. So, but it's not even that, like if, if, if everybody gets like, don't get me started on the, you know, the, the whole PCC hate thing. Everybody thinks that the P in, in our sport stands for pistol. It doesn't mm-hmm. go read a book. It stands for practical. Yeah. And carbines are practical. Like if I'm in a gunfight, I want a carbine. I don't want a handgun. If I have the opportunity to have a rifle, that's what I'm going to use. Yep. It's like, you know, people say, don't, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Right. You heard yep. that one? Yep. Of you course. don't bring a handgun. You don't bring a handgun to a rifle fight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. anyway, the, the moral of the story here is, is I want to see some commonality between the divisions. I don't care what those changes are. I don't care if you, if you change production, to 15 rounds and make carry optics 15 rounds, right? right? Or because limited and carry optics both use 140 millimeter mags, then let those two play together. But what you're going to have to do then is let the staccato boys come play with their single action only guns. And then people are convinced the same, right? Because like, just like the flashlight argument, oh, well, everybody's going to shoot a 2011 and they're just going to murder everybody. And they're like, <laughs> maybe they are, but I guarantee you, you put you you put whatever gun in the hands of Nils or JJ. Okay, yeah, they're still going to win, right? It's not going to matter. Those guys yeah. aren't going to go to twenty elevens, probably not, and they're still going to win. So, like at the end at the end of the day, people of equal skill levels with the different equipment. Maybe the equipment makes a difference, but the, the chirpy birds are not the people of equal skill. Yeah, right. They're the people that are going to get hung up in the arms race, and they're going to be the ones that go out and spend four thousand dollars to buy a carry optics twenty eleven. <laughs> and still finish it, you know, 52% of the match. Yeah. I would never carry a gun that's like more than, I don't even know, like 800, maybe a thousand dollars only because when you shoot someone, it's going to be taken away for a very long time. <laughs> and like, Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of like when you get serious about anything in the gun world, you don't buy anything you can't afford to of. Yeah. Yeah. Or in Kenzie's case, three, four, five. <laughs> there you go. So like, like my PCC, you know, once I got this thing dialed in, I have an identical backup that, that lives in the rifle bag and goes to the matches with it. My Glock 34, identical. The only difference being the triggers, right? Every gun I have, I've got duplicates. Yeah. yeah. So, again, to go back to our topic about rule set, like, I don't care what the rule changes are. I don't care which divisions get harmonized, but there needs to be some harmonization between those divisions. Because you can't take a limited gun and shoot, you know, um, carry optics or production, right? Yeah. And... and it just doesn't make sense, man. Like, like you should be able to swap divisions by swapping one piece of gear. Like sure. whether that's to put an optic on your gun or to change your, your base plate to a 140. Yep. Honestly, even PCC, I'd be cool with some PCC changes as well. Like people get, get all tweaked about, Oh, you guys don't have to reload. Uh, you know, you got these like 87 round <laughs> magazines, like guess what sucker? I can reload it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you want, like if you want to give me 170 magazines for my PCC, that's cool. But guess what? I want major power factor too. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, think I need, I, I need something for that, but I'm not scared of reloading, but like, again, back to, back to the people that are, what, what, what was the, the term like middle of the road trash or something like what, middle whatever, pack. Middle pack. What, whatever the thing was from Foley gate. I was trying to be funny, but I can't remember it, <laughs> but like, I would be cool with harmonization because honestly, like this, this actually just happened on the Matt Hopkins thing on Instagram where he posted his proposal for being president. Right. And he was talking about how to group the divisions for nationals. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to put PCC and two gun together and have all the handgun divisions together. And I I don't think that made a lot of sense. Right. Like a, 
the Williams sisters got all up on that because obviously they shoot lots of divisions and they're really good at them. So like to have a hand, all handgun only nationals, like they'd have to pick one division, which maybe isn't the worst thing. Like, you know, choose your preferred division and shoot that. But like, I don't think it's fair to the top level competitors that just want to shoot a lot to to lump them all together. Like I think again, back to, back to my harmonization between divisions for nationals, you should be pairing up like divisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what if like somebody comes in at that handgun level shooting revolver, and they really are good at revolver, but yeah. <laughs> how do you compete against open carry optics or even PCC for that matter with revolver? I mean, you don't. Like it, the, the capacity, I think, is less important. It's about stage design, right? And for oh, yeah. PCC, PCC, it always focuses around. Well, we're not challenging the accuracy of a PCC, mm-hmm. right? And usually, what they mean by that is like, well, why aren't you guys shooting like eighty or hundred yard targets, right? And I'm like, well, at the end of the day, I'm sh- I'm shooting a nine minor gun, right? My, my I'm shooting like 1150 to 1200 feet per second. Your open gun has higher velocity. It's yeah. actually better equipped to shoot 100 meters than my gun. Yeah. Right. You're going to have less bullet drop to get out there. Yeah. You're holding it in your hands, but like a hundred yard shot on a USPSA size target at 100 yards, like it's challenging, yeah. but it's not impossible. It's just a matter of time. Um. So the sport is designed to challenge, you know, it's, it's written into our like rules and bylaws, right? It's to challenge accuracy, speed, and power. Right. So like say that to say that PCC isn't challenged at a handgun match um, is honestly just kind of silly and short-sighted and usually said by people that have never shot it because yes, it is easier for me to shoot a 25 yard targeting at two alphas. I can do it much faster than you. Mm-hmm. right? But that's what it comes down to. It's like, yeah, everybody can get two alphas with a PCC with infinite time, Yeah, but who can do it faster? And that's exactly the same as it is for all handgun divisions, including revolver. Um, you know, so I, <laughs> I think most of the problems of our sport are so many people are hung up on the overall results of their local matches, right? Like, and it's hard not to, when you shoot a, a small match where there's only 20 or 30 shooters and your, your, you know, your, your buddy that you used to beat up on and carry optics went out and bought a PCC and now his name's at the top of the list. But like, that's just a, a problem of perspective and outlook. Like you're, you're looking at the sport all wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I, I just, from, from the grouping perspective, I think PCC and open have a lot together. And like, if you look at major matches, it's always open at top. open at top. Yeah. Open should win every time, right? Every major that I've won, I finished like eighth overall because every open grandmaster should beat me because most of the stages, when it comes to like transitions and things like that, they are better suited for a handgun, right? Because it's easier to do like 170 degree transition with a handgun versus a seven pound PCC that you're locked in with three points of contact, right? Yeah, exactly. With a handgun, you can tuck in the elbows and quickly maneuver around and you just can't do that with a PCC. So for all the haters out there that say PCC doesn't belong in the sport, I think you should shoot it. I think you'd find it's a lot of fun. And the chat, while the challenge isn't accuracy, there's a lot of other challenges that go along with that. And that comes to like gun, gun handle, not gun handling and manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. Not banging, not, not pulling a Kinsey and banging into stuff and falling down. Um, shooting is pretty good. I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at with it for as little time as I've done. I mean, I think, I, I, I think you've fallen a lot less with a PCC than other yeah. guns. So yeah. correct. Once, once, twice i don't everybody falls look if you're not pushing hard enough you're gonna fall (laughs) or or, sorry if you're if you're not pushing hard enough then then you'll never fall but like if you're actually trying real hard and you know trying to go fast like you're gonna fall occasionally i fall 
But there, there's so many different things with rifles in general and carbines, like even regular rifle PCC, you've got the height of a bore thing. Um, mm-hmm. Your whole bullet trajectory changes if you're on a side or like one of those slants that yeah. you're talking about. And then like try going upside down on the ground with the shoulder, like you can't, like there's things that, yeah. The challenges are just different, yeah. right? And, and I don't understand why everyone gets so up in arms about it for nationals, because like at state matches and area matches, we all shoot the same stages and it's not a big deal. Yeah. The only time it's a big deal is when you have some dickhead match director that wants to go out and like, you know, he's a open guy or carry optics guy or single stack guy. And he just wants to stick it to PCC. Right. Mm-hmm. And what he usually ends up doing is he creates a challenge for PCC, but he also creates a headache for all the other divisions as well. Yeah. Um, because he's created some long shots, some like super crazy lean or, or whatever the case is. Yeah. And guess what? I've yet to encounter the challenge that can't be met. So like, you're gonna make it harder for me. You're making it that much harder for everybody else in C class or the first time shooter or whatever. Yeah, the and they want to kill themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, fair. Cool. Well, anything else you want to say on that before we move on? Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, we could spend all day on that. Um, I know. <laughs> no, that's really about it. I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I'll, I will reinforce that for all the shortcomings of fully being, you know, a bull in a china shop. I liked a lot of the changes he did for the sport. I wish there had been more member feedback on them prior to implementation. Yeah. Right. Cause they all just kind of were sp- like the flashlight thing happened weeks Boom, before so. our nationals event. Right. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, it's like just more member input. That, that's really like ultimately this sport is ran by the members, right? We elect representatives just like in our government. And, um, they should be doing what we want, not what they want. And if they're not doing what we want, then we should have the means of getting them out of office, you know, preferably not at the end of their four year cycle, some means of recall or something like that. Yeah. So if you guys haven't yet read it, go, go read uh, Matt Hopkins uh, little manifesto because there's a lot of good information in there. And I agree with like 99% of it. The only thing I disagree with was his grouping of PCC with two gun for nationals that I completely disagree with. Yeah. Yeah um okay thoughts on like in general bringing new shooters in and and all of that like what do you think like us members can do better clubs can do better um to grow the sport and stuff because i feel like it's not as welcoming right now as it has been if that makes sense well i mean ammo is obviously a huge problem of that like if, you, if you've got somebody that's into guns and has a stockpile of stuff and they just want to get into competitive stuff those guys are pretty easy to get into yeah. um what you've got to get rid of, like I'm saying, like at local clubs here in Atlanta, we've got a bunch of ladies coming out lately, which is just awesome. Like you yeah. love, you love to see that. Um, but I think a lot of guys have to check their ego to come do competitive shooting. Um, because like, that's, that's honestly like the learning curve in my personal experiences, the learning curve of women to get into shooting and shooting at a high level is much less steep than it is for a man. Right. Because we get a gun in our hand, we get the male ego thing. Like, oh, I know how to shoot a gun. I don't need you to tell me what to do. Like, yeah, they're out there like teacupping it and all kinds of crazy stuff. And like, they just don't take, take feedback good. Whereas, you know, women, especially women that don't have a lot of firearms experience. are my favorite. They're very open to training. They soak everything up like a sponge. They listen, they remember, they implement. So like, it, I think it comes down to like the two targets, right? It's like you got the, the brand new shooter that's never shot guns, like, they need to do some stuff before they get into the competitive shooting scene. Yeah. Um, just, just from the safety aspect. Cause you know, no, nobody likes to have a gun pointed at their chest. Like I, I, I don't, don't want to know if you're shooting hollow points at the match by you pointing your gun at me. <laughs> right. Like I don't want to, I don't want to see down your barrel. Um, 
then like the sport needs to decide like who who are we trying to draw in do we want casual gun owners uh you know we're all casual gun owners for for the most part then on the opposite end you got the tack timmy dudes out there with their staccatos and and all that stuff and, and honestly there, there needs to be a place for everybody because ultimately this the sport is a, a place to challenge your skill set regardless of the type of shooter that you are and they all they all need a home yeah right? if you want to grow the sport like we need to do it with more member input on how we're making those changes, but we need to be looking at all these different people because there's like, it's kind of scary. You got the, these, I won't say all military guys. Cause like you got the special forces guys. They're, they're just like top notch shooters, like, like Isaac. Yeah. Uh, but you got like a lot of military guys that have like, honestly, very limited gun handling experience. You've got law enforcement people who are like, sorry, law enforcement out there. Some of the worst. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have those guys show up to a local match and shoot at one time and they'll like just see how completely outclassed they are. Right. Yep. If they were smart, they would be putting more focus on participating and getting better. Yeah. Uh, because their life depends on a handgun way more than mine does. You know, yep. they're out there doing that every day. And like, like I can't imagine what happens in their mind when they walk into a room full of 30 people shooting an indoor match and like 20 of those people are remarkably better shooters than yep. you are. And you yep. do it kind of for a living. For a living, yeah. Um, so, you know, some of those guys check the ego and they, they lock in and, and come learn how to shoot. And then some of them just never come back. And I don't know. I'd, I'd love to see what's going on inside their minds because that's, that's got to be weird. Yeah, yeah. Now, you also talked about a little bit earlier the RO experience too. Do you think everyone that's a member should volunteer? Or do you think that there's like places for them in general? Well, so you don't have to be an RO to participate in RO at a match. Right. So like, I think a lot of people, like I, I was, I, I'm a very recent RO. Like I think I just got my RO certification in 2020. Okay. I think, uh, and like, honestly, I tried to avoid the rules because I am, well, and I don't mean it like that. Like I didn't want to dive into the rule book because from my, my prior life of like in paintball and stuff, like I'm a gamer at heart. It's what I do. <laughs> it's like the more I know, the more I'm going to game. Right. Right. And it's not like to game to cheat. Like a big part of it is I like to call it making better match directors. Sure. <laughs> people that get lazy on stage designs, people that get lazy and just copy paste uh, written stage briefings. Yeah. Um, when you make a mistake like that, I'm going to exploit it partially to win. Like I'm going to take every advantage I can, but ultimately I want to make you better. I want to make you have to create better stages, be uh, more, direct with your words because words matter in WSBs. Uh, you know, the big thing in Atlanta is the uh, outside versus completely outside starting position. Yes. Right. We get a lot of people that get all tweaked up about that. And a lot of them are wrong. <laughs> um, you know, those, those words all matter. So, um, but yes, I, everyone should participate, but myself personally, like I didn't, I was uncomfortable, which I think most people are like when you're on the timer, like I don't know the commands. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to, you know, a lot of people will get like all command Nazi and like, you know, they go shooter. Are you ready? And like, you know, some guy, some match director guy in the back's like, Hey, you can't say that. That's, that's not what you do. Um, or the pad scoring. It's a huge one, right? Like if you mess up something on the pad, you could have somebody have to reshoot or, you know, somebody gets one of those little red flags on their practice score. It's like, ah, oh, you're a cheater. Like, you know, you, you don't want to do that type of stuff. Um, so I think, I mean, the timer, you just got to do it, right? You just watch yeah. people 
and do it, the pad. I think there's a, like an online learning resource from USPSA on how to use the tablet. Oh, yeah. um, I've not participated in that. And honestly, the tablet is my least fun thing to do. It's the least fun thing for most all men. I feel like every single time I turn around, the tablet goes into a female's hands. And I'm not wrong. Whether it's, whether it's USPSA or, or any other competition type, it's always in a female's hands. I can guarantee you that. Well, and the other thing is like, you got the ROs out there that they get so caught up in the shooting. Like you watch them and they're just watching the shooter shoot, right? They're not timer, doing all the things. With a timer in their hand, no less. Yeah, like, like, or, or, or the work, like you can see the guy that doesn't know what the hell he's doing because he's out there chasing the guy around the entire gigantic course of fire. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. Like yeah. you start him, you go to a place that you think you might need to see. Like, will somebody potentially break 180 here? Will they footfall here? Yep. And then like, they're just oblivious to where the person's going to end and what target they're going to be shooting at. Like you're creating way more work for yourself. <laughs> and, 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 or, you know, then you got the people that they're like, they're, they're holding the timer like this, but like, they're looking oh, yeah. over here. Like, oh, yeah. dude, like, did you see the time change? Do you know that that's the accurate time? Like, it's not hard to do. Mm-mm. It's and especially for PCC, right? Because PCC is one of the worst for bad ROs because yeah. One of two things is going to happen. You're going to get a suspicious looking time and all your buddies are going to call you a cheater or they're going to recognize that they didn't get all your time and you got to reshoot. Yeah. Now and I've had, and I've had both happen and they both suck. Yeah. The other thing that I'll say too, I'm not, this is not a general blanket statement, but there are a lot of people that won't check their ego when they are on the timer. So like I have watched somebody watching the PCC with the timer here and I'm looking at the time and sure enough, it's not close. Right. And it's, had to do a reshoot a couple of times. And this is an area director. I'm like, do you want me the time? No, absolutely not. I got this. I was like, do you though? Like I shoot it. So I understand how much to get close and like where to stay. Right. Well, well, that's the thing. You, you got 30 rounds until the last round to yeah. like get to like, you know, they, they start shooting their first position. No, no, you're no. backing away. But this whatever it is literally left to right in a box. Like I, nothing. It's like, are you, why are you watching you're, the gun? You're, like, you're talking about the 2021 PCC carry optics. And I, and I know who you're talking about. <sighs> <laughs> but I was just frustrating because I'm not trying to be like, you know, like I just want to be like, hey, do you want me to time? Like, I don't mind it. I right. shoot PC a lot. So I understand what I need to do. But yeah, well, I mean, but like I said, it's it, but even for people that don't shoot PCC, like it's you do it for yeah. all divisions, regardless. I mean, like obviously open, you don't have to pay a lot of attention. To, you made like, fun you know, of me for that, but I was I, trying to make sure it's it's so it's defaulted in my, my brain to make sure I get last shots. I don't care if it's an open gun. That's good habit. Hey, good habit. <laughs> you hater. <laughs> more, more power on you for like chasing the open guy down and trying to be within two feet. Like Listen, just, just get, your hearing, get your hearing checked regularly would be my only advice. I am double plugged when I have to RO. <laughs> I hate open. <laughs> but like you, you give them the beep, you step back, you know, and you just start walking away while looking at the timer and you're like, all right, I'm six feet away and I'm picking up their shots and I'm at their six o'clock or their five o'clock. And you just know like approximately where I need to be. Um, it's not hard. It's not rocket science. And like, maybe it's, you know, I don't know the equation because I know a lot of like top level shooters that are terrible ROs. Yeah. And I know a bunch of terrible shooters that are great ROs and there's a mixture all in between. Uh, and, and I think it just comes down to the type of, you know, personality they have. Like yeah. all those kids out there with ADD and their Ritalin, like don't think those guys <laughs> Is there anything else I just realized what time it is? It is. Um, is there any final thoughts you want to leave people with? New shooters, community, anything else? Well, I, 
it's such a diverse community. Like, you know, the the thing I think we spent the least amount of time on, which honestly, I just don't have a lot to talk about is the training aspect. And and it is vital for most shooters. Don't, please don't take what I'm saying to be like, what's going to work for everybody. Like just go shoot a crap ton of matches and you're going to become a GM shooter because that's just not the reality for most people. That's why I stopped asking you those questions. Even even with a carbine. I mean, there are things like I've done classes, right? Like I, I, I've done a class with Ben Stoger. I did a movement class with Keita Bussey. Um, there are things that everybody can learn. I just don't do them regularly, right? Like I, I'm, I'm a self learner. Uh, I like to explore and do things on my own and and figure that stuff out. And if you're like that, great. I think there, you know, I can help set you on a path to learn that way. But if you're somebody that needs more direct interaction and, and focus, there's a lot of great resources out there. And honestly, there's still classes that I, I would love to go take, especially yeah. as I foray back into handgun. Um, you know, like when I did a class with Ben. It, terrible, terrible circumstances. Like I a, hadn't been shooting handgun at all. Like I was I shot nothing but carbine for six months. Uh, I, so the class was like a Saturday, Sunday class. I flew home from Germany and arrived from Germany at like three o'clock on Friday afternoon and was in Ben's class 8 a.m. the next day, having not shot a handgun in more than six months. Oh geez. Yeah. And did a decent job. Like Ben didn't call me a lot of bad names, which is pretty prevalent from my understanding. Like I got a couple of compliments with like weekend only shooting and stuff like that. But, uh, oh God. but take classes, you know, whether it's, you know, there's local resources, like we've got guys here in Atlanta, uh, GM level shooters, uh, Andreas, who's on the podcast with Ben all the time. Like he does a phenomenal class here in Atlanta. It's not, you know, cost is hugely prohibitive to people to go out and spend five or $600 on a class and shoot 1500 rounds of ammo. Andreas does a great class. That's like 150 bucks for eight hours of instruction. He incorporates a lot of dry fire, both in drills and on stages. So like you'd go like run the stage hot shooting ammo, and then you go run the stage again and just dry fire it, yeah. which I went, I, I just went and took the class last year with a buddy who was getting into USPSA just so he had a friend there, <laughs> you know, to, to get comfortable. Well, but like when I, when I saw the dry fire aspect that Andreas was doing, I thought it was great. Cause like, I don't dry fire a lot. Like I'll, I'll do it. Uh, very occasionally like if i put something new like when i put a new stock on the gun or a new optic you know i'll just practice the mount with pcc or like you know i'll, I'll occasionally do a rep with a handgun just to you know make sure it's not completely rusty but like find a class out there whether it's a local class you know does, the guy doesn't have to be a gm to teach you something like I, I think that's one of your taglines in your your podcast here is you got something to learn from everybody and, and there are phenomenal shooters that are terrible teachers and there are like B-class shooters that can teach you tons of stuff, right? Is that you? Sorry. Are you B-class? No, that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally okay. I can teach, but like, yeah, I'm not going to teach above, you know, my, I'm not going to say I know how to do it, but I've learned from people. Yeah. Yeah. Teach you what you should be doing. Don't listen. Don't do what I do. Do what I say. (laughs) You know, at the end of the day, I've had a handful of people ask me like, hey, will you do some instruction for me? And like, I'd rather help you at a match. Like, I don't want to take your money and do it. Cause like, honestly... I feel like I'm still a student. Like I'm still learning each and every day. And like, I, I can teach you tons of stuff that I've forgotten, but like I haven't formalized it enough and outlined it and yeah. have a regimented course that Studied I would, yeah. that I would want to do that. But like, just come shoot a match with me and I'll tell you everything you need to know. And then it's on you to like, remember it and repeat. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, give you a second here to shout out to all the sponsors that take care of you. Yeah. So like, I'll, and I'll end with that actually, because like sponsorship was something I never really chased when I, when I did the whole paintball thing, I did the sponsorship thing where like, you know, it wasn't, 
some of it was paid. Some of it was just like free gear, travel expenses and stuff like that. And that's awesome, but it's a lot of commitment. And I really never had intentions of going the sponsored route. Cause like, I'm just busy and I don't, you know, it's sponsorships are a mutual relationship, right? It's not just, Hey, here's free gear or money. It's like, I need to give you something back for your expenditure. And yeah. usually that's time or effort, which I don't have a lot of, but, uh, you know, last year at, um, what the 2021 Kentucky match I shot with Logan, you know, Logan 357 souls. Of course. And, uh, yeah, great guy. Uh, you know, obviously he's, he's the, uh, opposite of me, super outgoing, chatty, chatty Kathy. And you haven't uh, listened to our podcast episode. Clearly I did, but it's been a long, that was a long time ago. I did. <laughs> ask, I, him, I, ask him about the text message I got at dinner from nationals. If he okay. hasn't told you seriously. You're welcome. Go ahead. He, he probably did. He probably did, but I forgot. But, it, oh, but no. anyway, <laughs> no. so Logan uh, shoots for M-Carbo, who is a like small trigger manufacturer. They do lots of triggers and springs and other components like that for, I, I don't want to say obscure guns, but like underloved guns, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Keltex and various SIG guns, you know, like not like the 320, but like lots of stuff like that. And, and honestly, I, I even owned some of their stuff years ago. I had a uh, Remington 597 Rimfire. It's like basically the Remington version of a Ruger 1022. Mm-hmm. But like no parts exist, right? So it's the opposite. So like the trigger sucked and they had a trigger kit. And it was phenomenal, right? And it was very inexpensive. Like 20 bucks took like, you know, cut the trigger weight in half and it was super reliable. So I'd already used their stuff previously. And that's a huge thing when it comes to sponsorship is it comes to the effort and like giving something back. The easiest way to do that is by just supporting people whose gear you already run. Yeah. Right. Like if you're just chasing some guy whose stuff you've never used, that's dumb. You, you're just barking up the wrong tree and yeah. it's, it's not going to be good for, for either party. So M Carbo is my main sponsor. Um, they, you know, like I said, they, they do the obscure stuff. I've used their stuff in the past on some of my random guns, mm-hmm. but uh, they do a great trigger for the SIG 320. Now they're working on a Glock trigger, uh, which should be out here pretty soon. So definitely check that out. I'll have one of one of my guns as soon as they're, as soon as they're available. Cool. But uh, check those guys out. They're cool. Chris and team just do a really good job with the parts that they make. Um, 1776 United t-shirt here. Um, it's a good friend of mine, James Richardson, knew him from my paintball days. He runs a uh, patriotic apparel company. So lots of second amendment pro gun. I don't want to say anti-government, but like <laughs> anti, anti heavy handed government type stuff. Um, they, in fact, they have a phenomenal let's go Brandon t-shirt. Oh my God. Styled, styled after the NASCAR logo. So oh my God. definitely check that out. But uh, they're a local company based here in Georgia, like 20 minutes from me. I've known the guy for 20 years. We play paintball together. You know, I've worn his shirts. His company went in, uh, he, he started the business back in 2009 and I've worn his shirts almost entirely. They're like the softest cotton, comfortable tees and lot, lots of cool logos out there. He does like a shirt subscription service called the Tea Party. <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, you know, it's, uh, I forget what the cost is. It's like 20, 24 bucks a month, but like you get a, a cool new limited edition tea every month. Obviously he does the hats, um, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, Brass monkey bullets, of course, Jason, huge uh, support for me last year. Uh, I was getting low in, in bullets and I've been shooting like just plated bullets before. And they're like outrageously expensive for what they are. It's like 10 cents a bullet. Yeah. And Brass Monkey, super consistent weight, tremendous price. And honestly, with how the market was last year, the biggest factor for, for Jason and team at Brass Monkey, availability. You know, instead, instead of waiting three months for your bullet order, he was shipping next day, even, yeah. even through, you know, Christmas rushes and sales and things like that. 
So can't say enough about him. He's got lots of cool profiles for nine millimeter and 40 that I'm just getting into. Um, I don't know about the other stuff. Like I don't do, I don't do 45 or anything like that, but yeah, Not I, yet, assume you he, boomer. I assume yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot, of, a lot of local guys actually trying to talk me into shooting single stack and I'm just like oh completely against it. No, 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 no freaking thanks. No. But, uh, Brass Monkey Bullets has been tremendous. And like like I said, on the Chrono, man, I'm getting single-digit standard deviations and extreme spreads with uh, the Brass Monkey and the Clean Shot Powder. So definitely check those guys out. And uh, last but certainly not least is a company called Breek Arms. Uh, they're out of like uh, Minnesota, I think. Somewhere cold. They're all, they're all snowed in right now, but they make uh, this really cool charging handle called the Warhammer. We talked about that during the little gear section, but it's an exceptional price. It's like $35. Uh, I've got, I think, I think the MSRP is like 39, but I've got a coupon code on my Instagram. You can check it out for like, you can get it for like 35 bucks, but it's like, you know, I, I've run all the charging handles out there, the Radiant Raptors and uh, what is it? I've broken everything besides my radians. <laughs> everything I'm serious. Yeah, so I, and, and honestly, my defensive guns still have the radians on them just because that's what they had. But like, you know, that's a that's a $70 charging handle. And this it thing, if, if it gives you 99% of that performance level for yeah. half the price, like yeah. it's something to pay attention to. And it may not be for everybody, but for a competitive gun, especially, I've had tremendous success. And I actually I randomly, when I built this PCC last year, I bought their charging handle from primary arms or somebody just because the price point was attractive and I got it and tried it out. And I was like, man, this thing's awesome. And it's a fraction of the price of everybody else's out there. So got connected with those guys uh, last fall and been running their stuff exclusively ever since. So love it. Love it. Check them out. So how can people find you on the Instagram to get the codes and how do people find you on Facebook and all that? <laughs> yeah. So Instagram is the best way. Uh, I'm FC Jason on Instagram. My uh, Facebook account is mostly for family stuff. So that's pretty locked down. So we're going to have to have a beer or shoot together before you're going to be allowed onto the, uh, the, the, the facey space. But uh, Instagram is mostly all shooting sports related stuff. So yeah, F FC Jason on Instagram. Very cool. Jason, thanks for coming on the podcast. Finally. It's my pleasure. It's, we've only been talking about this for what, like six months or something like that? Very, very, very long yeah. time. But I guess it was good because we had a lot to talk about. <laughs> I mean, there's always lots to talk about. So, yeah. So what matches am I going to see you at here soon? What are you All shooting? the ones that you just named. So I'm going to do Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina sectionals. I'm doing Area 5, Area 6, Area 8. I'll be at Two Gun. I'm, I think I'm going to actually like not work, but like cover PCC and Carry Optics Nationals. I'm not okay. sure. But okay. I'll be all over the place this, this year. I'm going to shoot a little bit of NRL 22, a little bit of not, not 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 Alabama though. Oh, I'm working that match. That is you're working. Drew okay. Coleman is the only man right now that I will work for in USA. Yeah. It's the only match I'm borrowing this year so far. I feel like that's going to be it. I'm awesome. done. <laughs> I I just want to come shoot on that grass. Yeah. So I'll be. Um, you'll like this. I'm working a stage where I am CRO, but I will be um, re making sure that we reset the stuff going on so it's staff reset on mine at least make sure it's right every time awesome love yeah. that yeah and drew is the best match director have you ever shot one of his matches i haven't um because dothan is like four or four and a half hours for me because i'm on the north side of atlanta yeah mm -hmm. i know but like to go to a club match that's, that's pretty fair. Freaking fun. That's fair but you, club, been, like, you need to come shoot the endless summer blast though well yeah you didn't tell me about that until like the uh, date the weekend before or something like that i didn't know anything about it but like yeah just to randomly go for a club match it's a little far like i don't, I don't know anybody that lives in the area to go crash with or something like that but like i don't mind driving for club matches like i've yeah. driven up to the orsa match several times you know i, I go to cmp um i haven't yet like I, i've got some i want to go shoot at east alabama gun club and what's the other guys pine tucky out in augusta those are all like two hour drives for me but like i, I want to get out and just 
go beat up on random people, you know? I don't think I've ever, <laughs> knock on wood, yeah, fallen at Dauphin. I don't think so, because the grassy courts, yeah, so I'll good. see there. Nice, nice and flat. All right. <laughs> it's very nice, nice and flat. Cool beans. Awesome. We'll see you in a few weeks then. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, as you listeners uh, keep going, stay tuned for more. I'll be uh, interviewing some more shooters and checking out our 2022 season. That is really right around the corner. So tune in. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gen Kenzie.